I ask you a question this morning. Have you ever been discouraged? Have you ever reached that point of discouragement where you just feel like, you know, it's a, you've, you've been trying to serve the Lord, you've been trying to do things for the Lord, but then you just kind of hit a point where you're at the end of yourself and you realize maybe you don't get nervous now. I see. But you reach, you reach the end of yourself and, uh, you realize you're not quite as much as you thought you were. And I just use that by way of introduction. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter number 22. We'll also be in John 21 if you want to get ahead, and we'll be in First Peter chapter number 5. I just tell you all all that ahead of time. I know... Personally, in my life, there's been times when I've been discouraged. You surrender to preach, and uh, uh, and I've known other preachers, you know. Brother Grady used to say he'd, he'd quit every Monday. And by Tuesday, he'd rehire himself. And uh, so there's, there's parts in the Bible that you look at, and I, you know, I can just kind of see. It's almost like you can kind of see what's going on in their mind, and, and, and you just get a picture of what's going on. And here in Luke chapter 22 is one of my favorites here, but it's Peter. And uh, verse 31, the Bible says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fell not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. And y'all know this passage well. It's one of my favorites. But I, I just want to preach on this thought this morning as I look at this. A discouragement does not equal defeat. That just because you're discouraged or you get discouraged, it doesn't mean that you're at the end of your rope, at the end of your road. And I just want to look at a few things this morning and just keep it kind of light. But number one, there's the source of the discouragement. And uh, number two, there's the symptoms of the discouragement. And then there's the solution to discouragement. As we... Look at this, this incident, Jesus is talking to Peter, and he's warning him ahead of time that he's going he's gonna to face a trial. And he tells him, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. And uh, we see that in another place. We see that back in the book of Job. When Satan comes up in Job chapter 1, verse 7, it says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. We know about Job. We know he's a righteous man. We know that he had many kids and he had much wealth, but he still served God. He served God to the point where he said, It may be that one of my kids have thought bad about God. I'm going to offer up a sacrifice for them. And the Bible tells us there's a day when the, the, sons of, the sons of God are before him and Satan comes up there and he asks him, where have you been? He said, from going up and down in the earth. And the Lord said unto Satan, verse number eight, you don't have to go there, but hast thou considered my servant Job that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. 
And God just puts Job out there. And then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for not? Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. Put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. So Satan lays out a challenge. Let's pray before the Lord as we go into this message. Discouragement is not defeat. So we see the way that it happens. Satan brings up a test. Satan challenged God. And Jesus said, Satan hath desired you. He, he's, he's wanted to test you. And God's going to allow this test of Peter. And it's going to, this test is going to bring some things out of Peter. But one of, the, one of the main things that it brings is discouragement to Peter. I can tell you when you come to the end of yourself, you know, you've been relying on your own strength. You've been relying on your own abilities. And there's nothing like reaching the end of that and saying, you know what? I'm not quite what I thought I was. Now, Peter had been following Jesus these three and a half years. Peter had, had cast off his net when Jesus said, come and follow me. And he went and followed Jesus. When Jesus said, whom do people say that I am? He said, some, some say this, some say that. And he said, who do you say that I am? He said, thou art the son of God. Thou art the Christ. Peter had no trouble believing in Jesus Christ. And Peter had no trouble stepping out for Jesus Christ when, when they were in the storm on the water and Jesus came walking across the water. And he said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come. And Jesus said, come. Peter steps out of the boat without even thinking about it and walks on the water toward Jesus. Y'all know this story. It's one of my favorites. I can't help it. But as he walks out there, he sees the waves were boisterous and, and he cries out, Lord, save me. He begins to sink. Jesus pulls him up. But Peter has no trouble following the Lord. And now we're at the Last Supper and Jesus is warning them. There's a test coming. There's a trial coming. We don't always get a warning when that trial's coming, do we? I mean, we know Satan's going to attack. We know that things are going to come at us, but we don't always have a warning. But Peter's confident in himself and his ability to overcome this. So we have... We have the test, we have the trial, and then we have the lesson that's going to take place. Look at, uh, in Job, you don't have to, but Job was challenged. Job lost his family. Job lost his wealth. Job lost his health. And all the way at the end of Job, you see a lesson there that I just saw not too long ago. But the lesson in Job 42, 5, he says... I have heard thee of thee, talking about God, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Job goes through this trial, he goes through all of these things, and when he comes out of the other side of it, he said, you know, Lord, I heard about you, and I followed you, but now it's personal. And a lot of people are still in that part of their Christian walk where, I've, I've heard about God, and I've heard about your word, Lord. But maybe they haven't been through that trial. Maybe, maybe there hasn't been that point. But did, have you reached that point to where now I know you? God answers prayer. Yes, he does. I know that. The Bible says he does. Any, ask anything in my name, 
It'll be given unto you. But when you reach that point and the only place that you can look is up and you cry out to the Lord in prayer and you see him answer that prayer, I've heard of thee, but now I know you. Then it becomes personal. Now, Peter has been hearing Jesus speak and he's been spending time in person with Jesus. But there's still some things that need to be worked on. There's something that needs to be brought to the surface. There's something that Peter needs to understand about himself in his walk with the Lord. And I know I'm just kind of pawn skimming these passages, but I'm just trying to show you something that we can learn from this trial that Peter goes through. It's a lesson. When thou art, he tells Peter, he says, when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. There's something to come out of the other end of this trial. Peter, you're going to go through a trial. And when you're converted, when you're changed, when you come out of the other side of it, strengthen the brethren with what you learn. So we learn of the trial. We have the source of the, which is a test, the source of discouragement and the source of the discouragement. See, Peter, just like the other Jewish people, he didn't know that Jesus was coming to die on the cross to offer himself as the Lamb of God, even though he'd heard it. And John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. There's things that Peter just wasn't registering. It was kind of, his eyes were kind of covered over. He, 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 it wasn't all revealed to him. They were expecting a Messiah to come in and to take them out from the bondage of the Romans. They were expecting a Messiah to come in to help them fight off. I think we get our own expectations about how God's going to do things rather than seeing how God does them. We, we say, well, I'm going to pray, and there's going to be a check that will come in the mail, and that will solve my problems, right? I'm going to pray for this job. This is a job that I'm supposed to have, and, and God's going to give me this job, and now I'm going to go forward here, and I'm going to do this and do that and do this. And this is the way God's going to take care of it. I see it. But when you pray, you find out God's got a whole other method. There's something else. There's something around the corner you didn't know about. There's something taking place over here that you didn't know about. I, I wish I could come up with some specific examples, but there's been times in my life when something was going on over here and I meet somebody else that's got nothing to do whatsoever with any of this, and that ends up being the solution that God laid out. I guess I can give you one. It's coming to this church. Coming out here to Texas, I, I wasn't going to preach again. I, I talk about myself here the past couple of weeks a lot, but, you know, there's memories and, and there's just knowing when you come out of the other side. And I came out here, I didn't expect to preach again, and here I am pastoring. But uh, the Lord, it was very unexpected. So false expectations. Look at uh, chapter, look at verse number 36 in chapter 22. Jesus is talking to them, and he's not dispelling it any. He said, then he said unto them, but now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his scrip. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you that this that is written 
must yet be accomplished in me, and he was reckoned among the transgressors for the thing concerning me have an end. He's telling them to buy a sword. I think that worked right along with Peter's impetuousness. Peter hears that about the sword. I don't think he heard so much about the test. I think he heard about the sword, and he was ready for the trial. Because the time came when they came to get Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible tells us that one of the disciples pulled in a sword and cut off the servant's ear. And then elsewhere in the Bible, he learns that was Peter that did that. Peter was ready for a fight. When he saw Jesus, when Jesus was talking about how things were going to happen, I think Peter was geared up. This is how it's going to happen, and this is how it's going to take place. And he smote the servant's ear, but then he sees Jesus heal the servant's ear. And he realizes that fighting is nowhere any part of this. I think that's when Peter got discouraged. Peter was ready. He, he, he was ready to fight. He said, Lord, over in Matthew 26, then said Jesus unto him, verse 31, all you should be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. And Peter answered and said unto him, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Everybody else going to betray you, Lord, but not me. That's not going to happen. I've followed you through all of this. I'm ready to go with you even to the death. I'm ready to fight this out, Lord. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise said all the disciples. Peter was a leader. Everybody was following. That's over in Matthew, in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, a parallel. And it just tells you more about Peter's attitude that night. You see, Peter's ready to rumble, so to speak. So everyone has their own unique vulnerability. Everybody has their own weakness. And, you know, the funny thing about Satan's test they don't come at you from the front door. I know in my own life, everything will be going along fine, and something will come in through the side door and attack you there at your weakest. And with Peter, his weakness was pride. It was confidence in himself. He was a fisherman. And you know about the fishermen. In those days, they didn't have the winches. They didn't have the, the, the cranes. You know, you go out on the shrimp boat today, and you got the bollard that spins. I, the winch, you wrap the rope around it, about three or four wraps, and you just kind of hold it like this, and it'll pull 2,000 pounds out of the water. No problem at all. I remember on the, uh, on the ship, when we were tying off the ship, we had a big one on the back, a giant one about this big, and we'd take that big line and put some wraps on there and pull it up to the pier. But in those days, they didn't have any of that. So Peter goes out fishing. He's, a, he's a confident in his own strength. He's pulling those nets over the side and pulling them out of the water. The way my grandfather and my great-grandfather used to pull the nets in when they'd go shrimping. So he's confident in himself, and that's his weakness. 
his own strength, his own pride. So we see the source of Peter's discouragement. And there's a source for your discouragement. The test comes and you fail it. We know that, we know that Peter denied Jesus and we know that Jesus looked at him. And we know that Peter wept because Jesus was right and he had failed. He had denied Jesus. That was the source of his discouragement. So what happens when someone gets discouragement? Well, there's some symptoms that take place. And you see it in people's lives and you see it in church all the time. I've seen it with a friend of mine. They get discouraged because things didn't quite go as they expected. Uh, they're going to church and everyone's supposed to be perfect and everyone is supposed to be godly and there's not supposed to be bad things going on or there's, everyone's supposed to be kind and everyone's supposed to be loving. I tell you what, after, after learning about different cults and stuff, if everybody's kind and loving and, and just love bombing you and, and there's no disagreement with anybody at all, you might ought to run. Next thing you know, you'll be going to Guyana. I'm just saying. But in church, we are to be kind. We are to love one another. But they go to a church, and somebody doesn't quite act that way. And I remember, I remember somebody in the church, Brother Gray, just saying, Brother Keith, you just have to love them. You just have to love them. So they get discouraged in church because everything didn't go how they expected. And so what happens? you see some symptoms. Number one, you see a distance from God and his people. It's not intentional. Look over in 2254. After they took Jesus, it said, then they took him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. So they've taken Jesus and they're, they're about to do a trial on him. And Peter is following. But look what it says there. And Peter followed afar off. <clears throat> Once Peter had come to the end of himself and, and, and his pride didn't seem to matter, he said, I'm willing to go with you even unto the death. And, and he pulled out the sword and he cut off the servant's ear and he was ready for the fight. And Jesus healed the servant's ear and he went with him willingly. Peter's out of ideas. He doesn't leave Jesus. He follows. But it's like, what am I? I'm one man. I go charging in here. It won't, it won't do anything. I just said I would go to the death, but he, he just healed the servant's ear. He just stopped the fight. He just took everything away from me that I had for this. He didn't know what to do. So Peter followed afar off. And so when someone gets discouraged in church, you begin to see them kind of lay out. You begin to see them fall away from God's people. You begin to see them fall away from the word. It's never intentional. It's just like, I don't feel like going this Sunday. I, I'm just giving you some examples. I'm not getting on anybody. <clears throat> Let me just share this with you. I'd, I'd been in church. I'd been in church regular, and then we got preached at about attendance and all that. And it's like, well, what are you, what are you coming? I'm here. I've been here. <laughs> Why are you beating me up on attendance? But I'm, I'm just talking about when people get discouraged with the things of God. There's these symptoms. There's the distance from God's people. And then there's a denial. Look at uh, verse 57. 
In verse 56, it says, But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire. And that was another thing. He started to warm himself by the world's fire. And a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. Peter begins to deny Jesus. He doesn't know what's going on. He, he, he doesn't know about the fight anymore. He just doesn't know. So he begins to deny without even thinking about it. Jesus had already told him, he said, you're going to deny me. And he said, woman, I know I'm not. And verse 58, and after a little while, another saw him and said, thou art also of them. And Peter said, man, I'm not. And in 58 and 59, and after uh, Verse 59, in about the space of one hour after another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. It says, And Peter went out and wept bitterly. So Peter is full on discouraged at this point. He has no idea what's going to happen. He has no idea what his place in God's plan is anymore. He has no idea if God even wants to use him anymore. And now he's found himself, instead of going with Jesus even unto the death, he's denied God three times. So there's doubt. It takes place. You doubt whether you're even called. After a while, you begin to doubt your own salvation. Did I really get saved? Was, was all of that, did that prayer even matter? Here, I, I asked Jesus into my heart. I said, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I want you to lead my life. And then you find yourself slipping off. You fail the test and you find yourself slipping off in the sin that you said you weren't going to. And you you begin to do the things that you said you weren't going to, and you, you feel like you've kicked Jesus in the side. You feel like you were one of the ones that had nailed the nails into the palms of his hand. You feel like you were the one that was beating him because of your sin. And you reach a point of discouragement. You begin to doubt your salvation. You begin to doubt your calling, and you begin to doubt your future. Look at John chapter 21. Now, there's other things that took place. We see Peter at the tomb. When Mary had seen Jesus and that the body was missing, and John tells us about a race between him and Peter, and John makes sure to point out that John won the race, but Peter doesn't hesitate. He goes to see the empty tomb. He still loves the Lord. His heart is still toward Jesus. But we reach him here in John chapter 21, and we see that discouragement. And one thing that happens when you begin to get discouraged about the things of God, I mean, you, you talk about a missionary that surrendered himself but then falls out or, or begins to get discouraged or a preacher that steps up to preach or someone that steps up to teach Sunday school or someone that, that starts to go to church and begins to get discouraged. There's that doubt. And you begin to doubt what the future holds. So in John 21, 
verse 1, it says, After these things, Jesus showed himself, himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise he showed himself. It says, There were together Simon, Peter, and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. And then verse number 3 is the one I wanted to get to. Peter had been a fisherman his whole life. He knew fishing. He knew the water. He knew the waves. He knew the sun. He knew the sunset. He knew the best time to catch fish. What he didn't know was how God was going to use him or what he was supposed to do. And someone that gets discouraged, you know what they do? They tend to gravitate toward what they know. So verse number three, Peter says, and says, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, we also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. You know, there's something about going back to what you used to know. It's kind of empty compared to what it used to be once you've spent time with Jesus. You may go back to those things that you knew, but they aren't quite as fulfilling. Somebody that gets away from God and and just begins to gravitate away from God, it's just not quite as fulfilling. You just don't quite fit in like you used to. There's kind of an emptiness to it. It said they fished all night and they got nothing. Peter said, I go a fishing because that's what he knows. But there's something that takes place while he's discouraged. And he becomes encouraged. We know that they see Jesus and he tells them to cast the net on the other side. They do it and they bring up a full net of fish. And then when Peter sees that it's Jesus, first thing he does, and this is so like Peter, he jumps out of the boat and he swims to shore. And you can see all that here, but just to jump ahead... Peter had denied Jesus three times that night. And then here Jesus is speaking to them as they're sitting on the beach and they're eating. And verse number 15, it says, So when they had died, Jesus saith unto him, Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. And as he sits there and Peter hears that, maybe he's trying to process it. I don't know. Jesus says, feed my lambs. And in verse number 16, he saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. I remember Brother Grady taking me aside and he he had this way, my pastor, and he said, Brother Keith, just read that. I said, okay. He said, feed my lambs. He said, oh. I said, yeah, feed my lambs right here. That's how smart I was. Read it again, feed my sheep. Brother Gray go, oh. And I'm thinking, surely he's heard this before. And in verse 21, 17, it says, He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? Peter's feeling hurt at this point. And he says, 
And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. So here's the lesson for Peter as he's walked back through each denial. And he probably didn't realize it at the time. And it took a while of reading that to realize each one of those times he's being walked back from a denial. He said, you love me? He gave him a chance. See, there's something with discouragement. Discouragement isn't defeat. There's forgiveness with Jesus Christ. You turn back to the Lord. He's there to accept you. There's some things you're going to have to walk back, though. There's some things you're going to have to walk back through to turn away from. Maybe some things that you took on, some baggage that you took on while you were in the world. You're going to have to walk back through that and put it down when you go back to the Lord. It's not a condition. It's just, it's just something where if you're going to draw close to the Lord, there's some things you've got to let go of. You can't, you can't go there with a full bag of junk. And so he walks him back. And Jesus, in this moment, he learns Jesus, or Peter learns Jesus' forgiveness. Now turn to 1 Peter chapter number 5. Now, Peter had had his own idea about how things were to take place. And by the time we get to the book of 1 Peter, he's been through a lot. He's been converted. He's been strengthening the brethren. And he's had time to look back on that night. And I imagine it stung him just as much as it stung Paul when he looked back and he talked about holding the coats of them that stoned Stephen. Those memories of those times before Jesus Christ or those that those times when you failed Jesus Christ that caused discouragement. And looking back on that, Peter learned some lessons from that. Number one, he learned the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And look what else he learned. He learned God's true method. <coughs> he had his own idea about how things were supposed to work out. There was going to be a battle. There was going to be a fight. And Peter was going to go down fighting if he had to. But he was going to defend Jesus Christ. But that wasn't what God had planned. God had sent his son, his only begotten son, to die on the cross for our sins. And that was God's plan from the foundation of the earth. All the way back to when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. And when they come out of the other side of the Garden of Eden, God can't let them stay in there lest they'll eat the tree of life and live forever in that sin. And when he takes them out there into that cold world, into that rough world, they hadn't had to worry about the temperature or anything before. But when when they're cast out of the garden, God kills an animal. And he takes that skin and places it on them. Even then, there's a sacrifice made. God's love covering them. And Peter just didn't know that plan. But now there's a lot happened. There's the, day of, there's the day of the Pentecost. There's the day when Peter stood up and preached. Peter has gone to prison and he suffered beatings in the name of Jesus Christ. They tell him, don't preach in this name. And he said, whether it be right for us to follow your word or God, you be the judge. But we're going to follow God's word. Peter had seen prayer in action. Peter had seen people healed just at the touch, at the word that God had given him. So here in 1 Peter chapter number 5, we see he learned God's true method. He's talking to 
He says, the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Look what he says here in verse number two. Feed the flock which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. I think those words came back to Peter time and time again as he, as he sat in the darkness at night, as he, as he pondered by the seaside, as he sat there on the rooftop. I think those words came back to Peter, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. And he sees that picture of the shepherd taking care of the sheep. The, the, they're eager to eat the word of God. They're eager to absorb the word of God. And he said, who am also an elder, feed the flock. He says, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. And then Peter learned something else there. He learned God's true reward, not only God's true method, but his true reward. In verse number four, it says, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Now, Peter had reached a point where he didn't know what was in store in the future. He said, I go a fishing. But he gets down the road and he sees that reward ahead of him. He sees an eternity with Jesus Christ. He sees that time that he's going to spend in heaven. And he sees that reward at the end of the road. All the beatings that he takes, all of the, all of the suffering that he goes through, the hunger and everything to get God's word out of there. There's a reward at the end of it. We lose sight of it. It's so easy. It's like those waves on the ocean that are boisterous. We look at them and we begin to sink. We begin to lose our focus on Jesus Christ. It's so important to understand that reward at the end of the road, that purpose. And then he learned his own weakness. Look at verse number five. He learned his own weakness was his pride. He says, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And you know, I can almost hear Peter in the background. And let me tell you something I know. God resisteth the proud but giveth grace unto the humble. He knows his weakness now because of that trial. You know, we get, we get worried about trials. We get worried about discouragement, but there's lessons on the other side of these. Job said, I heard thee by the hearing, but now I see you with my own eyes. It's personal now. And Peter, not only is he aware of how, they, how Satan can come at him and how he can fall, no matter how close he is to God, no matter how no matter how much he thinks he's got things under control, he's humble enough to realize that pride was hurting him more than helping him. And he was relying on himself. But look what he is now, verse number seven, casting. Uh, verse number six, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God 
that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Peter learned that he couldn't rely on his own strength. He learned that he couldn't rely on his own work, on his own ability. He said, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And then he learned his vulnerability. You know, the, one of the worst things you can say is, oh, you'll never get me with that. But Peter <laughs> learned that no matter how confident you feel in that moment, there's a weakness. And everyone has their own weakness, their own besetting sin, or their, their own way that somebody gets them. You ever been having a good day and somebody will just say something and it sets you off? just comes out of nowhere maybe that doesn't happen to anybody I think it's happened to me a time or two Hmm. it's gay (laughs) some people know more about me than they should but Peter realizes that no matter how confident he is in himself and he learned to put all that confidence aside and put his trust in Jesus Christ put his eyes on Jesus Christ He learned his own vulnerability. He says in verse number eight, he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And I can hear Peter kind of say, and let me tell you, I know. And then finally, the words I like to hear, Finally, he learned the reason for the trial. The reason that he went through that. Why did the Lord let him go through all that? If the Lord knew that he was going to deny him, why did he let him go through that? Well, it was to show him about himself. Somebody can tell you about yourself, but sometimes you just got to walk through it and walk into the wall yourself. Stick your finger in the light socket. Put that butter knife in the wall socket. You won't do it again. Verse number nine, as he talks about the devil who's, who's roaring about, he says, whom resisteth, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Elijah said, all, all have turned away from you, Lord. There's only me left. God said, I have 5,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. You know, it's understanding that your fellow Christians are going through that too. And when you, when you understand that they're going through it, when you understand what you've gone through, it helps you to have an understanding of what other people go through. It helps you to have a little bit of a charity with other people. You ever met somebody that frustrated you? And it's like, why they do that? I don't know. That's so stupid. But then you reach a point in your life where you end up doing the same thing and you're like, you know, it could happen. Say, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. He said, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, Settle you. 
To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So I'm going to say it again. Discouragement is not defeat. You may get discouraged about your walk with the Lord. You may get discouraged if things didn't quite go as you expected. But it doesn't have to be defeat. And when you come out of the other side of it, strengthen the brethren.